This is SciBite, episode 66, for October 9th, 2012. Hi everyone and welcome to SciBite, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly science podcast. Fresh for download every Wednesday morning and live Tuesday nights at jblive.tv. My name is Chris and joining us every week is our host, Heather. Hey there, Heather. Hey there, Chris. Hey Heather, happy science to you. Happy science. All right, so what are we talking about this week? Today we're going to take a look at the Red Bull Stratus updates, an apple a day, new GPS satellites, a space station mission, Endeavor's final leg of its journey, warp drive, SpaceX, and Curiosity updates, and as always, take a peek back into history and up in the sky this week. Awesome, awesome. I know folks are looking forward to it. We've been getting tweets uh, from folks throughout the week about various topics. Yes. Tons of stuff to cover this week. So why don't we get into the news? All right, with that dramatic jingle now out of the way, what is our first news story? The Red Bull Stratus mission. This is the crazy Felix Baumgartner who is going to jump like 22 miles from the sky, free fall for five and a half minutes, and then turn, open his parachute, you know. Right. We've talked about this a few times and even how it's kind of weird that it's Red Bull, but it's an interesting marketing yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's come up a few times and yesterday was the target launch date. Right. It got delayed due to weather, uh, wind. The Today... They had some more iffy weather. Then it kind of settled out. Then they had some radio problems. They have uh, inside the module, there are two radio systems, the primary and the, the backup. And one of them wasn't working. So you need both to go up. So they waited. And by the time they had all that figured out, then the weather kind of calmed down again. So they brought the balloon out. They were starting to inflate it. And then the wind picked up again. And that was sad. Had to it was it, very huh? sad beans, yes. Mm. I mean, the winds have to be then less than two miles an hour, all the way up to 800 feet. Is that ever going to happen? Oh, that's yeah, a dramatic video I was playing. Yeah. Uh, no, it will, it will happen. Hmm. You just have to wait. Uh, early mornings are generally the best, where it's very calm, low winds. They, you know, the FAA has certain rules about you know, what kind of visibility you kind of have. They want the atmosphere to be cool enough so that maybe it'll increase his chances of breaking the sound barrier. So there's a lot of things going on. But this morning I was watching the the live cast, you know, and you see the balloon. The balloon was just perfectly straight up, and it was very calm. And I like tabbed away, and I was working, and then like popped back in, and I saw it starting to like blow mm. around a little bit, and no. I was like, uh oh, uh oh. And then if you check out the video, there's this huge gust where he's like, oh, no, there's a gust of wind. And it just kind of like blobs everywhere. It kind of touches the ground. And at that moment, I was like, nope, bye. Wow. So uh, is this is this uh, something they're just going to keep trying over and over again? Or is, is there a window where they'll just be like, all right, we're calling it. We're good. Well, they've got what these bull these balloons are huge. This thing, I mean, uninflated. It's I mean, all the strips of plastic that put it together, it would cover about 40 acres. I mean, uninflated, it's almost 600 feet long. Wow. So 
And I've dealt with these things on a much smaller, much smaller basis. To me, they were pretty huge anyway. But they are custom made. Everyone has to be custom made. And so none have been made this big before. Sure. And so they had two. And once you unbox it, that's it. You unbox it, you start laying it out, that's it. That balloon can never be used again. End of story. They have one more. Oh. So the weather for the next couple of days is looking kind of iffy, but they're hoping that it'll, it'll settle out, but they're going to wait till the absolutely most perfect conditions that they can, they can imagine. But yeah, I, I remember watching it. And I saw that balloon bouncing around and I was like, oh no, that, I've dealt with these before. You, you yeah. can't even touch them. You have to hold them with cloth gloves. Wow. Because they're so thin, it's the oil from your hand will affect the plastic as it goes up through the through the atmosphere. And this thing's going to go 120,000 feet. Mm-hmm. So way up there, the they're just so thin. I mean, there was it point zero 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 eighth of an inch. It's, and it's funny because I mean. So they've had a couple of delays now. So hopefully, I mean, they're saying, yeah, we, we love tomorrow, but weather's not so happy. In fact, the next couple of days are not so happy. But they just have to wait it out. And since they only have one more balloon, they've probably put another one in on order. Oh, okay. Um, but they probably aren't. They just, no, yeah. they're, they're going to wait until everything is so the absolutely sure that they can, that they can get. And so, I mean, if they lose the next one, then they have to wait until the other one's made. And it takes a little while to make those. Right. Yeah. I would imagine so. I would imagine it's probably a very special manufacturing process. Oh, yeah. It's. And they must be expensive, too. Yeah. Hmm. Well, good luck to them. Yeah. So they've got one more in in the kitty. So they got one more. They have one more ready to go. So they're going to wait. And I mean, the whole, it's kind of hard. You're stuck in a situation where it takes like eight hours. Once you start unboxing it, then you have to <laughs> lay it out. And the weather can change in that time. Big oh, time. yes. Yeah. So they have to wait, unfurl it all, all at the whole time being very careful. You have to clear the entire runway. You have to make sure that you have, you know, a tarp or something laid out. You lay that on top of it. And you're trying to. Make sure it's all straight with cloth gloves and making sure where you step and where you, what touches it. And then you start to, to fill it. If you watch the, uh, the videos, you might see the little uh, long tubes, almost like mm-hmm. yard, yard creature arms. Mm-hmm. And that is, is those are, are fill tubes. So you start filling the hydrogen up through that. You can't just plug it in the bottom. Oh. You have tubes that you hold off way off to the side of the balloon. I and see. so that can be used to fill it. And then once it gets to, and you don't fill it all the way. It only gets to a certain amount. And by the time it gets up to 120,000 feet, then it's ginormously, ginormously bigger as it's, you know, inflated. And then those tubes then act as um, overfill ballast. So if it starts overfilling, you know, it does, it's not going to pop the balloon. It, the helium can escape through those. Well, I agree with the chat room. I think this is a clear indicator why Red Bull costs so much money. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's one of the most <laughs> expensive energy drinks out there. 
Yeah. I think we know why. Yeah, I think we know why. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, a couple people from the chat room deciding whether he's crazy or he will actually survive. <laughs> this dude is crazy. Yeah. He has done, anybody who does base jumping is crazy. I have not, I, have, I don't have any personal experience with that, but I think that's because I'm not crazy. Yeah. One of my ex coworkers uh, used to base jump. He did skydiving and then he did base jumping and then he met his, uh, wife whom he then buried and then he spent many years trying to beg her to just plain parachute because well at that point he said i i'm not going to base jump again because i'm responsible for more than just me <laughs> he would show us videos you know we'd be like hey watch this this is really cool oh that dude died oh yeah like oh. two two times later this guy died oh. and we're all like dude like his best story was this guy broke his leg in the bottom of a ravine and because they were breaking the law doing it, his buddies had to climb out and then just like bring him down water every once in a while as he like came up out of the ravine. They that, were That's insane. just not my bag, Heather. My bag is sitting no. here behind a microphone being judgy. That's more my thing. Yeah, I, I, I like that too. I like <laughs> the sitting and looking and the reporting of the crazy science. Right. And sometimes being involved and in trying to avoid the, the small explosions at work. But Oh, well, sure. Yeah, you know. But yeah, if you saw like the video as they were like calling it, this you could see this guy's face. He'd been, you know, woken up at two a.m. He'd gotten all suited up in the literal almost spacesuit because yeah, the atmosphere is so thin up there. Your blood would actually boil. He's got to be just super, uh, super amped up every time. Oh, incredibly! So you could just see him. He was like, he was like looking on his face. He was like, okay, okay, don't tell me. Okay, that's not funny. No, oh, I can't do this. And even his family, like the first time they've ever come like out of their country, uh, Austria, they were like here outside the, and you could see his mom like step outside the control room. She's like, oh, oh. So wow. he's, he's definitely amped up and kind of a downer for him. The Capcom uh, at, you know, for NASA, the person that all the astronauts talk to is someone else, another astronaut that, that has flown. And that's the person they talked to. This guy, his Capcom, was the last uh, winner. He, 50 years ago, he broke the, the skydiving limit. And for Bob, and so, Bob this has been an ordeal, too, because he was awakened at 2 But uh, here's Kittinger. Keep it coming when you can. Kittinger. Uh, that was just a clip of him, you know, basically giving him the bad news. Yeah, uh, you, you see, like... Baumgartner is like totally amped. So he's like very calm, very kind of placid. You could just kind of see the paint in his eyes on occasion. And Kittinger is his name. He's the the last person to hold this record. He's in the control room. You could just see him like, oh man. You could definitely see the yeah frustration on his face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's got to be tense for all those people. Oh yes. And a lot of people are watching. I mean, we obviously had people in the audience watching, and I watched. Uh, uh, I watched uh, the reaction on. I couldn't watch the actual feed this time, but I was watching yeah. the reaction online. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah, I had my Twitter, and I was able to set my phone alarm. So I was like, "Oh, let me flip over real quick." Bing! I got to watch a couple of minutes, and I was like, "Oh." Well, we'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll have uh, something different to report in a week or two, huh? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Any other thoughts on so. that? Oh, well, we'll just see when the the weather holds out and. See what happens. See what happens, yep. 
Well, then let's take a break here. I actually have a couple of uh, exciting things to announce on the show, including a new way to listen to uh, Sidebite. So we'll get to all of them. We'll run through them here really quick. First of all, let's go through our old standard, our old standby, my friends, and that is the Jupiter Broadcasting Affiliate System and, of course, the direct contribution methods. That's how we stay on the air is uh, thanks to our fine audience who uh, cares about our independent content and wants to keep us going. We have our affiliate links at the bottom of the website. If you click one of those before you shop, then a portion of your shopping session is automatically contributed to Jupiter Broadcasting. doesn't impact your shopping session, doesn't alter your budget at all, and it still allows you to contribute to us. I like that system quite a bit. And thanks to popular demand, we've just added eBay. So eBay is uh, now listed there. That's the eBay US store. We will be pushing out an affiliate extension soon that uh, will include eBay and all of the other country uh, uh, versions of eBay as well. So that's great. I know some of you out there are big eBay fans or you use it occasionally like, like I do. That's a great way to go, and uh, we appreciate everybody who supports us through these or loads the Chrome or Firefox extension so it just automatically takes care of it for you. You don't even have to worry about the links. But every now and then, when we're doing a pick from our affiliate system, Amazon's our favorite go-to, and uh, Heather's tossed uh, a pick in here this week, Star Wars, The Clone Wars yes. Season 4. Yes, most definitely. Now, I I've, I've, heard, show. I've actually heard mixed results about The Clone Wars, but you're oh, kind of yeah. changing my mind because, see, I, I'd heard it was a little slow. It was a little pokey, but I've I've also heard that if you stick with it, it does get better. And so yeah. uh, the new season just started, right? Yes, it did. Now, like I said, you know, there's like small story arcs that are a little bit slower, but then there are some just really awesome episodes. It's just like packed full of Star Wars awesomeness. And I got to imagine with the type of animation this thing is on, Heather has linked in here the Blu-ray version. This would probably look amazing. Amazing. Yes. I would think it would look really good on Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, some of that some of that animation stuff just looks so incredible. And uh, so I peeked at the first episode of this season just to kind of see if it's worth jumping back <laughs> in. And I got to yeah. say, I was pretty impressed with what I saw. It looks like it's really turning into a, a really interesting Star Wars story. Yeah. So, all right, there you go. So, folks, if you buy that or you get that for somebody, a portion of your purchase will be contributed to us. Now, it's not released until the 23rd, so it's your chance to pre-order it right now. So, you can go grab it. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Now, just two more things. Uh, one uh, one more before we get to the new way to catch SciBite. I want to give a special mention to our buddy, Michael, from uh, Coder Radio. He makes an application called Code Journal. Now, you might not be a Mac user, uh, but if you know somebody who is a Mac user and they could use a really, really well-done Utility that allows you to monitor a GitHub feed, uh, create private and public GIFs, and uh, you think, you know, if you know somebody who uses these types of tools and is on a Mac, or if you're on a Mac, I would really like if you checked out CodeJournalApp.com. Now, here's why. Here's why. This is a fine application that uh, Mr. Dominic has talked about, and it's doing fairly well in the Mac App Store. You know, the whole game about developing your own apps now with these app stores is the ranking system, right? And and getting reviews and showing up on the list for the utilities. And uh, Code Journal has been it has been doing fairly well. However, a competitor came out recently that cloned one of his features, uh, and and honestly, it's 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 a good feature that he has in here. And it's it's native to the Mac operating system that Mac heads just absolutely love. It's it's something it's a part of integrating with the built-in notification center in Mac OS X Mountain Line, one of the new features. And so it's kind of a hot to trot feature that all the Mac people want to talk about. And so this guy that released a similar application just kind of stuck it in the store, and then he had his buddy bloggers blog about it, and now he's sort of been pumping up the rating systems and knocking Michael's app out of 
the store, so Michael's losing visibility. So I wanted to give him a plug. He he I I don't I don't know how much of that he's going to share with people. Hopefully I didn't overshare there, but that's the situation. So I just wanted to give him a nice plug. And if you know anybody that needs a good Git client for the Mac, uh, have him go to Code Journal app or search for Code Journal in the Mac App Store. It's a great way to keep in touch and get notifications of activity on GitHub. So even if you're not a developer yourself, but you kind of dabble in the GitHub world and you just want to keep tabs on stuff you're keeping an eye on, like our affiliate extensions or our JBot in the chat room. You can use this client that'll keep you up to date on that kind of stuff. And he's always adding updates as well. You can buy it directly from his website or from the App Store, and it is a really nice tool. So there you go. That's CodeJournalApp.com. And good luck to Mr. Dominic from Coder Radio. Hopefully all that gets sorted out and uh, people keep finding his great application. All right, Heather, now I'm really excited to talk about uh, Stitcher Radio. Now, you're probably not familiar with Stitcher because uh, you're not a smartphone user. Yeah, I'm not. Okay. So Stitcher Radio is an app for your smartphone that uh, lets you go to categories like comedy or technology or news, and then you can even get more granular. So you can get like science and science news and things like that, right? Ooh. So it's like this way to sort of tune into a station that's really all of the all of a bunch of podcasts that uh, kind of all fit together. So it's oh, like wow. a, you can get like a science station of podcasts uh, of podcasts. And uh, so now SciByte is listed in Stitcher Radio. So if you go into Stitcher Radio, you can search for SciByte and add it to your radio stations. And uh, there's a bunch of other really great science podcasts in there. And all of our other shows are in there now as well. So you can get any of our shows in Stitcher Radio. So if you, like for example, if you, uh, if, if you uh, use the Stitcher Radio tech channel, you can then go and then you can even you can get TechSnap in that channel, or you can go granular and say Tech Linux, and you can get the Linux Action Show in it. It just shows up in the feed along with all the other shows that are sort of similar to our shows. So it's a neat way to find new stuff, uh, and also just kind of kick back and, and sort of treat it like a radio station. So that's Stitcher awesome. Radio. It's a free app, and uh, I we've we've had a few requests to get our stuff in there. We had a couple of our shows in there, but now we have each individual show in there. So if you are a uh, Stitcher user, which I think there's a good handful of you out there. Go grab it and listen to SciByte in Stitcher now. Yay! And give us a review, too, because that helps other people find uh, SciByte in the uh, app stores. If you or in the, It's not an app store. It's just a, a directory listing. Yeah. But if you give us a review or a thumbs up, it helps people find us. So Let them happy science. All right, Heather, what do you say? We do the news bite. Ah, what is the news bite today? Napoli a day keeps the doctor away. Even more reasons that that is true. Literally. Now, uh, I've heard this, but I always just kind of thought this was uh, an old wives' tale. Well, the old wives are sometimes right. That's true. That's true. So they have found, uh, through a study, they said that eating an apple a day for four weeks lowered the levels of the substance leading, uh, this link to hardening the arteries by 40%. Really? Yes. So it's um, it seems to lower the LDL, the bad cholesterol levels. Okay. And those are more likely to promote inflammation, can cause tissue damage. And so it looks like the apples are sort of the oxidizing, the apples are oxidizing against the LDL. Huh. Now they thought that it was from these polyphenols which they extracted out of the apples. And they're like, okay, now we have this polyphenol antioxidant. And then they had a study where it was this group eat apple, these, this group eats you know, the polyphenol pills, and this group will have a, you know, a placebo. Hmm. And the, ap- the 
extracted polyphenols did have an effect, but nowhere near as strong as the apples themselves did. Hmm. Isn't that interesting so, how sometimes when we ex- extract stuff, it does not have the same level of potency as it does naturally in the originating source? Yeah, they don't, I mean, they don't know whether it's because there are some other compounds yeah. sort of combining to aid in the absorption. Yeah, it's interesting. They, or, they took it out and they put it in these capsules and have these people eat the capsules of it. Yeah, it, so that... So it comes down to the apple either helps um, the overall effect or the overall absorption, but it is just the apple themselves that is doing so much better. Now, as always, you have to note the study is being funded by the Apple Industrial Group, not oh. like the Apple computer, but the Apple like munch, yum. So, oh. but there are many ways that apples are good, and they've actually shown that you know the antioxidants in uh, saliva and combined with the apples has significant uh, uh, implications for dental health. So it increases your uh, oh really your dental health as well. Hmm. Well, that's not so bad, is it? Yeah. So an apple a day keeps the doctor away and the dentist. Yes. And if you bring and one to the teacher, you're supposed to get better grades, right? Isn't that how that works? Gosh. I guess. You'll improve her health, so maybe you'll get, you know, a bonus on the curve right. there. Right. Wow. She won't. You know, and app, the apple fell on Newton's head, which not quite, but which, sure. You know, well, okay, maybe not. You know what? Maybe I should just take us to the uh, two bite news. Okay. The two bite news. Bite news. Oh, oh, oh. The two bite news. I kind of want to get like uh, as as Christmas gets closer. I kind of want to get like little jingle bells in here and stuff like that to add like a little extra flair to the jingles. <laughs> because we need more flairy jingles. <laughs> yes, of course. That is the that's what Christmas. That's right. what Chris wants for Christmas. Right. Just so y'all know. <laughs> you know what these jingles are? Not outrageous enough. They need more. Yes. yes. All right. So what are we talking about in the two byte news? All right. There's a new GPS satellite system going up. Okay. Uh, recently, a Delta IV rocket launched on the 4th, sending the next-generation GPS satellite into orbit. Next generation? How so? Yeah. Well, this is going to be replacing... The current GPS system is about 19 years old, and it's made of 31 operating satellites, which um, on orbit on a broadcasting position. But the new one will actually be able to be used by civilians and military both. This is actually the third of 12 that are planning to launch. They're going to improve overall GPS signals. They're going to have anti-jamming technology, more precise atomic clocks, upgraded civilian channels for aviation, onboard processors that they can sort of reprogram on the fly. And this one should be available starting in November. Oh, okay. So it takes a little while to get to get. Oh, I guess that's not that long, really. Yeah, I mean, it's... Unfortunately, yeah. it's sooner than I'd like to admit. Yeah, no, you, you say like, oh, November, oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Oh, wait. Huh. So, so uh, will I as an end user see this, or is this going to require, do you know, will it require new hardware on the ground to take advantage of it? I'm not entirely sure. My guess would be no. Okay. At, at the start. Um, at the worst case scenario, I'd see is that it would require new equipment that the military would get first yeah. and then it would trickle down to civilian use. Right. But this is a system that is going to be for both. So I think it'll just 
overall increase the the accuracy levels. Well, and it's interesting too because the the consumer market has sort of has sort of begun um, uh, uh, building its own solution to the accuracy issues. So, like on mm-hmm. on smartphones, they use GPS. They use a GPS, assisted GPS. So it's GPS uh, in combination with uh, cell phone triangulation, in combination with Wi-Fi access point. Uh, identification wow. and then that's how they that's how they identify where you're at and so in some cases they can get like you know as accurate to where you are in a house yeah well i've, I've heard those stories where you're like phone where's the movie section and i like take you to the movie section in a store <laughs> it's like i don't know whether that was real or what but i was like that is creepy well you know they're gonna work on it even if it's not real yet yeah it's coming yeah. All right. Well, cool. So uh, maybe pretty soon uh, you combine that with uh, some good new mapping technology and uh, we're set. We're going to be accurate as can be. Yeah. All right. Cool. What's next? All right. We've got a new space station mission project. So October the 5th, uh, NASA and some of the international partners of the space station announced an agreement to send a two crew members to the International Space Station on a one-year mission. Now, most right now, they all do six-month tours. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. This, this wouldn't be the first time there's a year-long tour. The Russians did it in Mir, uh, way back before the sure, uh, right. International yeah, Space yeah, Station. Yeah, they're hardcore. So, but they are starting to talk about doing year-long missions now. This this one particular they're agreeing upon will won't start until the spring of 2015. But, how, do I, how do I get in on this? <laughs> like if I just, you know, like want to decide by it up there or something. Uh, yeah, sure. We'll we'll launch something that makes us a kajillion billion dollars, I, and then we can we can pay to buy a seat. Actually, I they did, may let us stay. Didn't I just read that some actress or actor or singer outbid NASA on one of the Russian flights, and so NASA didn't get a, didn't get a ride? Uh, what was oh, that story? I, did you see that? I did. I didn't read that, but it wouldn't be surprise me. So it, maybe I could do bad. that. I could outbid. There you, go. you know, we just need to get like a Kickstarter project going, and then we'll have like a whole week of shows from space. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that'll. I'm sure we'll get right on that. That'll go right through. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure of it. So what are they going to do with with a year? Uh, is it more like uh, projects that they can start working on? They can they can they can finish, or is a year so more like a just to see what happens to the human body kind of thing. Yeah, that's more what it is. It's, it's totally designed to get the scientific data. The, their idea is we're going to go farther than orbit or the moon. Then if we go to Mars, the appropriate mission that to make it worth going there would take a while. You're going to be there for over a year. So let's see what happens to your bones and your muscles if you stay in orbit for a year. So they'll be able to get this data and they'll kind of say, yeah. well... If it works, they're even considering making it on a permanent basis. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you got to get that data because we got to get to Mars. That's a priority. Yes. That is a priority. Well, uh, this next link looks like something I should so I should bookmark for like a... Oh, it's not that long, actually. It's only a five-minute video. Yeah, it's just a short video I wanted to, to point out. This is a YouTube video of... 55 years of space exploration. Essentially took a whole bunch of little clips. I didn't get to watch the whole thing. But clips of everything between 1957 and 2012. I want to hear them. Okay. Oh, that's not what I expected at all. No. Like I said, it's it's just some random guy 
not worth more than a mention, okay. but it was just kind okay. of a, a cool It visual. is a very cool look, isn't it? Lots of boy gosh, man, have we come far fast. Yeah. That does make you it does it does make that sink in. Also makes me want to go into space, so that helps with that too. That yeah. helps with that. All yeah. right. Well, uh, you folks can find that video if you are if that if that if that uh, visual if that visual um tease let's call it that if that tease sparked your interest you can find a link to that video in the show notes. It's called Fifty Five Years of Space Exploration. All right, Heather. Well, that out of the way, let's bust out our spacecraft update. All right. Drag SpaceX's Dragon spacecraft is up. This is the first of the um, paid uh, missions for resupply serv- missions. Right, a private did- a private uh, private company launched this. Yes, yes. Yep, they launched and they actually were able to do it back in May. They sort of proof of concept. Yeah, and now they're actually on contract. So, you know, they'll go up every once in a while. They actually, you know, had their little mission patch that they were all. Excited about about oh. you know the size and the shape and there's you know a good luck four leaf clover sort of hidden in the earth in the uh, the background of the earth it's kind of a ongoing theme for them now the interesting part that moves on to is the launch um, happened on October the eighth early morning mm-hmm. and everything looked fine and there was an engine failure there were nine engines. And about 79 seconds into the launch, one of them lost pressure. And then because it lost pressure, the computer shut it down. Oh, is that what that was? Okay. It, oh, okay. it did not explode. It did not explode. That game, that was flurrying about. And I actually yeah, saw yeah. Um, somebody uh, sent in an email asking about that. They continued to see, receive data from it. So it wasn't that it exploded. It was literally just that an anomaly happened. I'm not quite sure what they're not going to say quite yet. But I uh, I watched it live. It wasn't in. It was, it was morning depending where you're at. Right? It was like 5:30 my time p.m. Yeah. On Sunday, I think. Uh, I watched it, and I remember it was, to me on the video stream, everybody was commenting about it. they saw a bright flash, and so there I think was, that's I think that's why people thought it was an explosion. There was a flash. Now. That's what. That's exactly why they thought it was explosion. What they believe that was, is a. Um, de- it was debris falling. Essentially, there were some protective uh, fairings around the engine, and because of that pressure release, and you know it got shut off. That essentially dislodged them, and they kind of fell away, and they were able to flare as they got on fire, as they essentially burned up. Oh, of course, that makes sense. Yeah. Now the computer was able to. This happens. It's happened a couple of times on a Saturn V rockets. These you know, Saturn V, this, even you know, large commercial airliners, they're all made to have redundancy. If one engine goes out, you're still okay. You're not as awesome, but you're still okay. Okay, good. Actually, they could have made it to orbit with even if another engine had failed. Oh, okay. So the computer just recalculated. So the, you know, the orbit and the burn and their trajectory. So they got into the proper orbit that they were looking for. Unfortunately, they had a piggyback satellite. This is what this happens is literally kind of how it sounds. You have a major rocket that's going up and maybe they have, you know, they're able to carry a little extra weight. So somebody will come along and they're like, we can't, they don't have the money to make their own complete rocket and launch but they have it and they can pay you to 
to essentially catch a ride. Uh, Orbcom, it's a New Jersey-based company. They're doing global machine-to-machine messaging services. Hmm. They they did this. They had a piggyback. Unfortunately, because the engine failed, it delayed a um, another burn that was going to let it go into its proper orbit. Oh. So... It, it, the orbit it launched into now is much lower than it was intended to. So Orbcom and SpaceX are both kind of looking, um, working together and talking to the, the satellite to determine what could be done if possibly they could raise it into a more operational orbit. If it can't, then it will come down much sooner than expected. It'll, they'll only get a couple, they will still get a couple months of data. But because the the atmosphere is really thin up there, but it's still uh, much thicker at a lower altitude, mm. so you start getting more drag, no, and okay. so okay. so it's not it only has so much fuel to maintain against that. So now it's having to maintain against much more drag of the atmosphere, so it won't be able to last quite as long. Now it's not like they're upset about it; they've still got. Like seventeen more satellites that they're going to launch with them. Hmm. They've already, they've got a contract that they're you know they're going to launch a whole bunch of these on Falcon Nine rockets in the future. So that's going to continue. It's just this one particular instance, right? You know, it happened. They'll they'll obviously uh, SpaceX is going to go back and analyze the data, see what happened, um, determine what caused it. You know, what the original origination of it was and go through and fix that just like anything of this nature will happen heads will roll in other words right i mean somebody will answer for this mistake is that what you're saying they'll find an answer i don't know if heads will roll oh well okay but on the positive note Mm -hmm. on board the the dragon capsule there is a um general laboratory active cryogenic experiment refrigerator essentially a mini fridge okay glacier wow Wow. okay it's going to keep the temperatures between minus 301 and 39 degrees fahrenheit so this is our big plan to make good relations with aliens is they find our gadgets in space and we have ice cream in there for them there is ice cream (laughs) i'm dead serious now this is the original i mean the main the main idea is to send up samples up and back because it can come back and splash down in the ocean. They can get frozen samples back. Now there is a local um, Texas-based ice cream company, Bluebell Ice Cream. I'm from Texas. I saw this. It is delicious. They have got a couple of these cups of vanilla with um, chocolate fudge swirl. That is not so secret anymore. But they put those in the fridge because it'll stay frozen. By the time you get to the space station. And the astronauts get to eat it. Yes. Oh no. And I guess yeah. like, ice cream would be probably be one of the safer foods for them, wouldn't it? Because, like, you know, if it floats off into a few pieces, you could just, you know, that's not that's that's containable. It's not like <laughs> it's not like spaghetti or something like that that you send up there, and that would just be a disaster. Yeah. Well, this is they said they tried to send up occasional treats for the astronauts. This isn't the first time that this ice cream has flown. It oh. came up on the Atlantis shuttle, I believe. It took the this uh, glacier mini fridge up, but this is going to be. You know, the first time that it's unmanned. So it's not dry freezed ice cream. It's like the real thing that you would go to the grocery and buy. My idea is what they should do is they could have, you know, it's in the big 
freezer section, they should have like a little sticky on the window. This is just this flew in space. This is so funny. Me now. And this shows just how it works, right? Because the device, what do you call it? The uh, General Laboratory Active Cryogenic, cryogenic ISS experiment. experiment Refrigerator. <laughs> yes, Glacier. And it's carrying ice cream. Yes. Well, uh, it's going. I mean, the main idea is for it to bring down samples. Oh, sure. So they can. So they can take blood and they'll bring down samples and it'll stay frozen and it it'll just, be fine. It just also happens to carry ice cream frequently. Well, it don't necessarily carry it frequently, <laughs> but it is a great idea <laughs> yeah. to offer these. You, you get special foods and treats for the astronauts if they're up there for six months. Oh, man. Can you imagine how awful? I mean, ice cream like that must be like the most amazing treat. Because yes, otherwise well, they're just eating paste and stuff, right? Yeah, well, not quite paced. It's much better than it used to be. Oh, good. But still, I mean, they all train in the Houston area. It is a kind of a favorite ice cream uh, sort yes. of of the locals and uh, right where they all train. Uh, so, yeah. And then I saw ice cream and I was like, awesome. And then I saw the picture and it had like the blue ball ice cream box. And I was like, oh, how funny. Oh, wait, really? That's That's neat. Look at them. Look at them thinking about the astronauts like that. Yep, so the whole thing's going to arrive on Wednesday, so the day this episode airs, it will be captured. It's going to hang around for two to three weeks on the space station, then it'll come back, splash down in the, off the coast of uh, Southern California, and it'll bring back frozen samples and all sorts of other experimental data and trash and various things. This is That's the big deal about the dragon, is that it's able to bring things down so that we can go and retrieve it. Right, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I was going to say, like, used ice cream containers, but the chat was getting <laughs> yeah. grumpy with all the ice cream talk. We're okay, making sorry. them hungry. All right, okay, should we talk sorry. about uh, the Shuttle Endeavors parade that's coming? Yes. it. We talked a couple weeks about back how it got to LAX. Mm. Now, it's got a 12-mile, two-day journey that's from cool. LAX to the California Science Center. So there's... There's Google Maps and that you can find in the uh, in the show notes if you live in that area to show you exactly the path it's going to take. Now, there's a whole bunch of different – of course, the police in the city are like, this is going to be a disaster. Awesome. Right. Right. Please only view in these specific areas at this specific time. We'll see how long that lasts. Police in the area are thinking, overtime, overtime, sweet. We're going to live and breathe shuttle for a little while. Yeah. So it's – most of the time it's going to be – on a self, like a four self-powered computer-controlled vehicles. So it's on top of all of these, and they're going to drive it down the road. Now, this is this has been a very precise, calculated trip. Right. They have to find the roads that are will be able to handle the weight. Right. They are able to handle the wingspan and the total distance of the shuttle. Right. I mean, some of these they're going to have to go very carefully because it's inches of clearance. Now they've said they're going to actually have to um, temporarily remove and then reinstall power lines, traffic signals, street lights, all these kind of things. That they'll take it down. The shuttle will move and it'll pause and then they'll bring back everything up. Now we've we've talked. A whole bunch of people were upset that they're actually going to have to remove several hundred trees. Yeah. Some of them are going to be able to go back. Um, some of them they're not. They. Uh, the science center is already stated they've they've spent the money that for every tree that's removed, they're going to provide four trees of equal or higher quality to be planted in its base, and they've provided two years of uh, tree maintenance. And if you act now, we'll throw in the undercoating. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's one of the funny things I found about it was there was originally tra- plans for this like Toyota stock truck to tow the shuttle along the last quarter mile to the science center. But instead, they don't get that. There is a law that says you cannot have computer-driven transport driven over overpasses. And it what? has to go over the, the 405. So they had to move so that the Toyota stock truck carries, tows it across the overpass so that they don't break the law. I'm serious. I'm trying not to laugh. Wow. You know, there's just so many weird little things that they have to go through. Talk about a process just to move this thing 12 miles, you said? That's, you know. Yeah, it's going to take two days and it's going to take go two miles. This is they really drive it. And then I think there's a parking lot it's going to stay at for a little while. They're kind of go and pause, go and pause. And, you know, we'll see. I remember on the Twitter, I probably mentioned this before, that, you know, one, you know, somebody's like, what is it? The cost for all these flybys, but the flybys, the moving of the trees, you know, the, all of this is paid for by the California Science Center. So they, they get the awesome. And if you're in that area, then go check it out. Check and it. they just make the money back on ticket sales? Probably. That doesn't seem like that's going to make them. I mean, you know, that's a long uh, time a, investment, I guess. But you know what? People are going to want to see the shuttles for a long time. Yeah. We have a space shuttle. Yeah. You, you you, have your awesome little science center, whatever. We have a space shuttle. Right. That's yeah. like bragging rights. That's totally yeah. comes to us. And that's not like something your competitor is just going to bust out to be competitive with you. No. They're like, you have a space shuttle. We have a... We have a um. We have a di- we we'll have the back. diagrams. Uh, we have we have a we lot have of a pictures. We have we'll we took a lot to of pictures of the interior, and we have like a slideshow. We'll give you. Yeah, I get you. I follow you. Uh, wow. Linux King from the chat room asked, "Why don't they remove the wings?" It's because it's not quite so much Lego like that it snapped together. This, I mean, it flew in space. It's literally all combined together and made so that the stressors are spread out enough that they couldn't pop off coming back into the atmosphere. So it's very rigid. You couldn't just take it apart. If I were doing it, I would fly it and then land in that in that football field that they have there right next to the place they're taking it to. Solve yeah. the problem. One of the articles I read was uh, titled, um, How to Steal a Space Shuttle If You Were a, a uh, Super Evil Spy. I saw that, yeah. Yeah. It's like you could go through and just kind of hover. I I only got so far and I laughed. I couldn't finish it. Were they were they being serious? No. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. Okay. Good. Like if you were a super villain, like in the cartoons, it is the stuff movies are made of. You could just swoop down, clamp down. Although if 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 there was an airplane that was mm-hmm. strong enough to carry this thing, don't you think they would just do it that way? Uh, it's, it's but if you're a super villain, then you oh, probably well, if you're a super villain, yeah, then you can do whatever you want. Probably rocket powered. Yeah. Stuff. yeah, you have hovering, super right. strong, crazy right. airplanes, and they belong nowhere in science. All but right, Heather, I've got a flashing light here on the side by computer. I should probably punch this thing up here. Let me see what I. Can. All right. Oh, look at that! We have yeah. incoming communications. All right. So we have an email. Uh, we, we have got? sort of smoke signals. What? Smoke signals. We were talking about the warp drive last week. Yeah. And then it came out and you're like, hey, does this use dilithium crystals? Right. I, said, I was just joking. I was yeah, just kidding. Yeah, I was like, oh, I, I doubt it. I don't know. And then it turned out I got a tweet and a couple of messages like, um, by the way, 
dilithium crystals. This can't be real. This cannot be real. This is not happening. This is not happening. We do not. Yeah. There's not a thing is. No. So they're actually saying basically dilithium crystals. And you can't see my quotation marks. Okay. In, in the air. It's deuterium. Which oh, is, no. Uh, no. Yes. It is a stable isotope of hydrogen. And then Li6. It's the um, stable isotope of uh, lithium. So they really call it, kind they, of they call it deuterium, it, huh? Yeah, they're like it's deuterium and lithium in a crystal structure. So God, they're oh kind of God. bringing it together and saying it. Well, you could call it dilithium crystals. So deuterium is key in the impulse engines for in Star Trek. Yes, they and use this the is deuterium at, reserves for that. Yeah, this is looking at how to how to do that kind of thing, how to make it. Now that's one of the questions. It's there's a couple of different steps here going on. It's sponsors are from the military. So everything from this, we'll, the military gets first dibs for use in nuclear testing equipment or what have you. And then you have to go through and say, okay, how do you harness the fusion energy? How do you turn that energy into thrust for an engine? And then any craft that uses that would have to be assembled in space. Mm. And so kind of, there's a quite a few different steps between um, Chris giggling and Glee saying dilithium crystals in warp drive. Dilithium crystals, oh my. Yes. Wow. So their hope, now the scientists involved are thinking that they're going to have, maybe have a system be reality by 2030. Well, I could, I, boy, I mean, if, if we get something that uses dilithium or deuterium by 2030 and has it somewhat like an impulse drive, I'm, I'm okay with that. I can wait till 2030 <laughs> for that. Yeah. I mean, the big deal about this is this fusion impulse engine. So it is actually an impulse type engine yeah. is it'll knock the travel time to Mars from six months to six weeks. So it's going to make space travel longer distance, so much more reasonable and in touch Wow. Now, there are actually non-military, non-space uses for this. So, it's kind of quite a few different things going on. So, we'll see where it goes, but it is definitely a uh, a smiley face that everyone saw. And they're like, wait, warp drive and dilithium crystals, how could you not lose? Yeah. And you know what? Good for the science. That's what I say. Yeah. Good for them because... Uh, Maybe they'll just keep maybe maybe them doing these kinds of things and naming them after these Star Trek things will just keep Star Trek alive forever. Yeah. Now, like the first thing I thought of is some scientist at some point had to say, "Okay, just for kicks and giggles." Yeah. Oh yeah. We need to put this on the list because yeah. it'll just be hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And then something came of it, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, test this again. Test this like four more times before we come out with this because no one's going to believe us." Love it. All right, Heather. All right. All can right. I uh, can I play our very special curiosity jingle? Yes, you can. And lift off of the Atlas V with curiosity. Touchdown confirmed. We're safe on Mars. Yeah! Yeah! Woo! Now uh, I've heard there's quite a bit going on up there on the planet this month or this week. Yes, there is. They're getting to the scooping process, so they have their little scoop out, and so. It's not just like you reach out and you scoop. It's well, you reach out and you scoop, and then you put that away, and then you have another scoop and you put that away. Oh, okay. And then on the third scoop, then you actually start observing um, with the camera 
And a portion really? of that gets delivered to you know, chemistry. Now you wait for that because it's quality assurance. You do similar things okay. on Earth. So it's essentially to avoid contamination. It's like So you add your sand to a cup or your, uh, you know, your liquid to a cup. Then you pour it out. You do it again. You pour it out. And so what it's doing is removing anything else that was there. Huh. So if they t- go to take another sample, they'll know this is not contaminated by the one 20 feet back. Right. Okay. Then they, they, then they have and say like, okay, now the third sample, they look at you know, mineral identifying chemistry and the fourth, then they'll take a fourth scoop that'll go to the uh, sample analysis instrument. So analyzing chemical ingredients. So on the October 7th, they actually start taking its first scoop. So they took it up. They had the powdering material. They shook it a little bit. Hmm. And that's to kind of give them, you know, to flatten it out. Give them an idea of kind of the particle distribution. In order, Actually, in order to get a better, better idea, they had this little dune, essentially, that they saw. They kind of wanted to get an idea of how dense it was. So they rolled forward and then back. So they kind of left it a, a, an indent of their wheel. So they, from that, they're able to say, okay, this is the kind of particles... Um, distribution that's there. They can kind of get a basic idea from just that. And so then they went in they, and they took their first scoop. And when they were analyzing the picture from the scoop, somebody actually saw a bright object. What? On the ground. No. Yes, very serious. So they saw that and everything halts immediately. They're like, okay, nobody move. Nobody panic. So he, he you can see the pictures in the show notes are on the uh, enhanced audio. So there's, it's not really that big. It was very small, tiny, but it, they had to stop because what if it was from the arm? Oh, damage. Yeah. What if there was damage? You don't want to move anything until you know exactly what's going on. Oh, I was merely thinking like an alien dropped some change or something. N- no, that, that wasn't their first idea. Hmm. They, they were thinking damage. Um, their first ideas were damage to the rover or possibly um, debris from when they came down. Yeah, that oh, that would make sense. Was it um, spirit or opportunity? One of them actually were able to drive past their their shell, you know, the back shell that, that brought them down and protected them from all the heat from the atmosphere. Right, that thing did kind of like jettison it and take off. So I mean, maybe it dropped something as it as it as it took off. Yeah, so it came with a whole bunch of different pieces that were coming down and separation. So maybe this was something from that. But now it looks like it's probably just a shred of plastic. Very, you know, very benign. They're still holding off on um, taking any more scoops or doing much else with the arm until they have a much better idea or they're more sure. But we don't know what a shred of plastic from? Most likely from the rover is... Something happened. Maybe there was a loose piece that finally got knocked free, or that the fact that they reached out and started doing the scoop. This is a new motion. Maybe that dislodged something. But for now, kind of everything is on hold. They only took the one scoop. They haven't gone through all the various um, four scoop process. So they're kind of on hold until they have a better idea. Wow. Like, okay, let's make sure that we don't break anything. And then they'll. Then they're going to have to sit and decide, okay, do they want to take samples in this area? Essentially, did, did it contaminate it? Is it worthwhile to do it? Now, they might take something 
just to test out the the hardware if they want. Mm. But it might be such that th- this site is a wash because this particle essentially says, okay, this area is contaminated. It, the, not, what we take here isn't going to tell us much or mm. we can't trust everything enough. Hmm. Wow. So we'll see how things go. And I mean, I'm pretty absolutely sure that I'm not going to say that. I'm pretty sure that everything on the arm is going to be fine and they're going to be able to move forward. So this is random little bit that this is a reason why you analyze the pictures, why things take so slow. Because you you start doing something and then you look at everything that's going on. You're like, okay, what does the data say? What do the pictures say? Oh, wait, that's something that is not expected. Let's pause and and check that out. That... Or it's a giant government conspiracy to cover up the bases that we already have established on Mars as part of the Cold War. What do you think? This is the Martian version of See a Penny Pick It Up. I I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> hmm. You know what? I don't I don't think that's probably the case at all. Now that I think I, about it, probably we're, we're not. too busy spending all our time on the moon bases. So uh, with yeah. that said, why don't we jump in our handy dandy science time machine? I really do like the improvements you made last week. Thank you, thank you. I, uh, jeez. I tell you what, every now and then that button, it shocks me. There's a, there's yeah. a lot of energy that goes to that flux capacitor, Heather. But don't you yeah. like the new seats? Huh? I do. Huh? Much you. better. Now, our destination this week takes us to 166 years ago. August 10th. August 10th? October yeah. 10th. Oh, yeah. 1846. All right, Heather, what happened this week? In science. Neptune's moon, Triton, was discovered. Uh, William Lassell, he was observing the the planet itself hadn't been discovered all that long before. He was trying to confirm his observations of, you know, with the previous week that Neptune had a ring. He was trying to locate uh, Neptune's ring. Ah. And instead, he found a moon. So That's not a bad actually, find. He actually did prove that a ring was there, and it was a product of his telescope distortion. He saw some distortions that, that, that to me, that indicates a ring. So he did prove that, but he also found the moon, uh, the first picture of which was taken in um, 1989. Voyager 2 is able to pass by it. Has a, a thin atmosphere, even. Probably, they lo- it looked like it had ice volcanoes. It has a really peculiar orbit and spin. It go, it's retrograde, so it goes. Everything kind of or, or, or orbits in the same direction, uh, counterclockwise or clockwise, depending on which direction you're looking at the solar system. Everything tends to rotate in the same way. All the moons, all the all the all the planets. Now, Triton seems to orbit in the opposite direction. Now, what that oh. likely means is that it's some Kuiper Belt object or Essentially, a rebel. Yeah, it's a rebel that Neptune captured. <laughs> it was trying to chill out without a cause and cruise the dusty highways, and Neptune uh, snagged it. Well, good. It might have smashed right into us if it hadn't. <laughs> you just never know, Heather. You just never know. There you go. Well, uh, very cool. So uh, that is uh, looking back this week, which must mean it's time to look up into the sky. That's right. October the 11th, uh, first light, the moon is going to be in the east, and Venus is going to be just to the left of it. On the whole, this week, 
Venus is going to be up about two hours before dawn. It'll rise in the east, getting higher and higher in the east by morning, then kind of be washed out by the sun as it rises. Mars is going to be in the twilight. It's going to be pretty low in the southwest skies. It'll be to the right of the orange star and Teres. Ooh, okay. And they're getting closer and closer. So that's kind of a... I mentioned that because there's two of them, and Mars is going to be to the right because it's the right one is the right planet. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. What, what? So there you go. Jupiter this week, <laughs> about 9 to 10 p.m., is going to rise in the east to northeast. The orange star Aldebaran is going to be to its... Right, but that is not Mars, obviously. And then Saturn is starting to disappear. It's now kind of washed out in the sunset. So we're, Saturn's not going to be our friend for a little while. That was fun okay. while it lasted, though. Yeah, Saturn was there for a while. Now it's kind of hitting the walking into the sunset. Literally. Happens. Yep, quite literally. For a little while, at least. Yeah, it'll come back. All right, there you go, Heather. I believe that's the whole show, isn't it? I believe that's the whole show. All right, folks. Now, if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can email the show, scibite at geobutterbroadcasting.com. You can use the contact link at the top of the website, or if it's something concise, like a link or something like that you want to share with Heather, you can find her on Twitter. She is JB underscore Mars underscore base. A lot of underscores. Yes. But uh, as long as you get to have fun saying it, it's okay. It doesn't matter. There you go. I made a good time out of it. And uh, you can find me over there. I am Chris LAS. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week's episode of SciBite. And Heather, thank you for a great show. Thank you. And I want to remind everybody, you can download these shows Wednesday morning and subscribe to the RSS feeds to get them automatically. That way you don't even have to think about it. It just happens when we have a new episode for you. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of SciBite. See you right back here next week.